0: Welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, our extension for episode number 158. Nick Max and Noah Grant here on this Sunday evening, getting ready, primed and ready for some playoff action that, of course, starts with our Minnesota Wild tomorrow. We are going to do a deep dive into that first round series against Dallas and then take an overlook uh, into the rest of the NHL playoffs and kind of give our quick predictions for each of those series and who we think our Stanley Cup champion might be. Uh, Before we get to that, of course, uh, we'll also know the victors, by the way, um, of the women's worlds uh us and canada doing battle here on sunday night at seven o'clock central time so that should be a good one canada has had the us's number as of late nick i don't Mm. i don't know that i feel particularly confident as a u.s fan but maybe that's what we need to turn the tie is a lack of confidence (laughs) uh probably the opposite but uh
1: but yeah it seems like it's been sort of like whoever wins the preliminaries is the one that falls in the medal round, right? Yeah. So it's been kind of a, you know, and, and this year it was Canada. So maybe that's an omen. I don't know, probably not, but yeah, it seems that Canada just with their depth, right? I mean, we, this, this rivalry has long been at least on the women's side, you know, the, the rivalry to watch. Um, And certainly, as you mentioned, Canada has seen to edge of the United States, especially when it comes to the metal round contention and taking home the golds versus silvers. Uh, So, Ed still probably lays with Canada, but uh, we'll see what happens, right? Every game's a new game and see if the USA can knock off the big, bad
0: Canadians. Yeah, it'll be certainly interesting, so keep an eye on that one. You'll have the answer by the time the show comes out, of course, as well as the AHL playoffs. Iowa, Rockford, and Chicago all doing battle here tonight in their final games of the regular season, uh, playing, I believe, Texas, Milwaukee, and Manitoba, respectively. Um, mm-hmm. Iowa is playing Texas tonight. Um, Rockford, I believe is playing Milwaukee and Chicago is playing Manitoba, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, and all those games are currently underway. So it will be interesting. Only two out of the three will make the big dance in the AHL. So keep an eye on that one, of course, as well. But what we're here to talk about the Minnesota wild uh, getting their matchup with Dallas, of course, Colorado taking care of business, exactly how we kind of predicted it, that uh, Colorado, Dallas, and Minnesota would finish in that order. Seattle was not going to make a move uh, in case you remember (laughs) last week in my ability, To interpret a bracket here, but this is an interesting matchup. According to the actual statistical odds in the sports books, um, it says that Dallas has a 61% chance to win uh, this matchup compared to 39 for the Minnesota Wild. Um, Most groups don't have this one ending in four. Um, About a 17% chance Dallas ends it in five. Uh, About even similar numbers, 17, 15%, that this goes to six games for either team. And then uh pretty even on the other side that it goes to seven. So for a, a decision that's consensus says Dallas is maybe the better team. And I think Eric Sonak obviously is going to p- play a factor for Minnesota in that stat just a little bit. It sure. doesn't really feel like doesn't really feel like sixty one percent, although this Dallas team has won six of its last nine and they're a, a pretty scary group that the while they're going to be heading towards
1: very scary. Um and again they You know, the the one thing that Peter DeBoer has done is unlocked whatever happened to Jamie Benn and his offense, right? Whereas, you know, let's put it frank, he was being mocked essentially for uh, him earning that contract with that point production, shall we say, lack throughout the last couple of seasons. Uh, It has not been the case this year. Again, Dallas has been riding high. They had a chance to uh, take the first spot in the Central. Colorado had other plans so uh the current and defending Stanley Cup champion uh Colorado again facing uh Seattle, so which is not yep. the central division for those who need a secondary <laughs> note on that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, th- but this Dallas team, right? Uh, top six Pavelski, again, a, a prime Stanley Cup performer, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Tyler Sagan, Jamie Ben, and then their depth with the Olkivi Ranta, Radic Foxer, right? They've got players that have been there. Again, mind you, these are the 2020 runner-ups in the Stanley Cup final, losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they've been there recently. Um, and the other thing they have is They've got Jake Ottinger, right? They're <laughs> goaltending. Um, da- dare we say that despite that Minnesota has you know, um, Philip Gustafson and Mark andre Fleury, uh, Ottinger has been the go-to guy. Um, yeah. He was a stud last year in round number one against Calgary. In fact, he was probably the only one that showed up for that series. Um, you kind of wonder what Dallas will change or what they've learned from that. Um, again, under uh, a new head coach, we'll see what they do, but I do think that Dallas does have a slight edge in this. Now, I am curious, Noah, with those uh, odds being said that they factored in Eriksenak being in the lineup or if they were out of the lineup. That's huge to me um, yeah. in terms of how this series goes. I'm wondering if you see the same.
0: Yeah, interesting. So this article, of course, coming from uh, members of The Athletic, too, and taking a look at kind of the comparison. So as we talk about the forward defense and goaltending comparison here, um, essentially what they did is they rated um, both the team and the players' at their position types essentially and zero is essentially dead even so you bring no value or detriment to your team or your unit or, or or whatever it may be so for example um, Kirill Kaprizov and Jason Robertson are actually exactly comparable their offensive rating is plus 17 their defensive rating is plus 3 which you know means that they bring plus 20 overall in terms of their team's contributions the forward comparison Dallas is at plus 22 for their forward group Minnesota at plus 4 so you can tell that this is a very offensively laden group for Dallas that you know like you mentioned um you know Tyler Seguin Jamie Benn guys like that that have found their You know, punch and guys that are kind of middle six guys, secondary scoring. Mason Marchment, Max Domi, um, Wyatt Johnston, Evgeny Dadnov, like you mentioned, um, and then Joe Pavelski, who's the top line guy, but really has kind of rekindled his fire a little bit. Guys that maybe weren't expected to have you know career years or big steps suddenly did for this Dallas team, Um, and they hold the advantage on the forward side. Uh, Plus twelve for Dallas compared to plus fourteen for Minnesota on the D side. Um, This is not including. Brock Faber. This is including John Merrill who actually brings a minus 5 rating overall to this matchup. That could be a, an X factor that could swing things uh, in a different direction. Brock Faber potentially getting the call for game 1, uh, slotting next to John Klingberg uh, in that matchup. And then netminder-wise, Jake Ottinger a plus 12. Philip Gus is in a plus 9 though, so I mean, mm-hmm. you know, nothing to really scoff at here. As we talk about the team factor, that's where you see the disparity in the goaltenders especially, plus 47 with Jake Ottinger in net for Dallas compared to plus 25 with the flurry Gus's in combo don't be surprised if you see flurry play at some point depending on how the series may go um Would defensive
1: gets game one either
0: yeah defensively plus 34 to plus 31 in favor of the wild and then offensively as a team plus 15 for dallas compared to minus nine for minnesota they do not have the advantage uh, compared to production on the offensive side But that's kind of been Minnesota's M.O., right? They are a team that they don't score a lot. They don't score in bunches. The middle part of the season really hurt them in terms of that offensive production because they really struggled. Um, You know, you kind of gave me that look, and I think Wild fans have that thought. Oh, in recent weeks, it feels like they've finally been good offensively. But as a whole, over the course of a season, they haven't really offered that, and that's where you see that rating. But that's been Minnesota hockey to a T this year, and kind of in years past besides last year is that – they kind of rely on the defensive game. They're comfortable winning two to one, three to two hockey games. The question is can Minnesota stop the floodgates that Dallas, uh, and I guess Norm Green in an alternate sense, has brought <laughs> to the Dallas Stars? That is the question, right? Because even
1: down the stretch here, um, granted, even when they were still relatively healthy, there were some defensive lapses with Minnesota's game that gave, I know, me some concern. I think you had some pauses, too, uh, with watching some film. Uh, John Klingberg, uh, oh boy, uh, he's an all or nothing player. We know what he can do when he walks the blue line. Um, it's It's interesting because here's the thing. If you've got a bad game, The one thing Minnesota has is they have guys like Merrill. They have guys like Olegoski that you can switch in and out if you don't perform well, right? And I'd be curious to see how Minnesota utilizes that extra depth defensively. Um, The other thing I'm curious about is how do the Dallas Stars match up the boldy... Johansson and potentially Sam Steele slash Erickson that combo. Um, yeah. Cause you know, that Kura Kaprizov, Zuccarello and Hartman are going to get um, a lot of the attention, but with Boldy and Johansson, who I think has been actually a better duo at yeah. least, you know, recently minus even the injury prones. Uh, they've got a one, two punch there. Uh, but like I said, Minnesota has to really focus defensively uh, and Brock Faber um, going from heartbreak to NHL starter, essentially, what an opportunity for him if he does get that call in game one. What confidence from the coaching staff to put a guy, what, a week removed from his college career into a Stanley Cup playoff yeah. game that shows volumes of his maturity on his game and just the kind of you know, impression that he's made early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you, know, you, you kind of wonder if he'll be sheltered a little bit. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we'll see. Uh, there's a lot of intrigue to this. I know the numbers have a little bit more lopsided, but Noah, I'm sure as you, as you actually really break down the matchups, this is a lot closer than I think people realize.
0: It is. Um, And you know, even when you talk about the lopsided piece it actually on, on the forward side and even Dallas there, it really goes, their top unit is where they're the bulk of that, production of statistic comes from and then Miro Heiskanen on the back end the wild actually Mm -hmm. have a lot more depth throughout their defensive core I suppose when you carry nine defensemen you're bound to find somebody who can play right Mm -hmm. um you know but beyond that you mentioned that second line Matt Boldy a plus 10 overall with his offensive and defensive production you compare that with the entire second line unit on the other side for Dallas really their actual margin they're actually a minus two so you think about you know the matchup and, and potentially especially in games three and four that Minnesota could bring the table there getting last change creating those opportunities it'll be an interesting matchup for sure like you said um i think the thing with dallas that is really scary and this goes back to the other article that michael russo put together is that dallas is just consistent overall you know i mean you look goals against per game third in in the league compared to six for minnesota and their goals four per game is seventh in the national hockey league compared to 23rd for minnesota Mm -hmm. this stars team produces and they limit chances top five uh, essentially in the nhl in special teams number 1 uh, in face off percentage top 10 in shots against and you know top 15 in shots for so uh, this dallas team brings a lot of scariness and the wilder in the second half of the league and a lot of those statistics again that's over the course of the season it doesn't really mean a whole lot during playoff time just ask the 2019 tampa bay lightning um right you know but really as we kind of get out of the nuts and bolts of what of what the matchup really is going to entail um Uh, You kind of look at the eye candy test a little bit and you see what this group has got here. I think if the Wild can counteract the loss of Erickson Eck, who sounds like he might actually be a lot closer than we think. Joe Joe Smith talked about something. He released something about six hours ago and said that um, he skated for about 45 minutes after practice today on Sunday and also mentioned that the doctors essentially cleared him in a sense that they said, when you feel ready, when you feel 100%, you're ready. Um, And I think that's a vote of confidence to say that it's kind of on the player to see where he is feeling at that point. It's not a medical decision that's keeping him out. It's a how do you feel with his injury? And as soon as Erickson feels up to it, we might see him. I don't think we'll see him in games one or two. No, um, But the initial projection was that we wouldn't see him until maybe game six or seven. I think there's a chance we could see him on the XL ice in game three or game four.
1: I think you're right on that, and I think, you know, despite the medical side of it, right, Noah, is that if you're the Minnesota Wild, right, you want to make sure you're not putting him out there in a sense where, and, and granted, we don't know the severity of what happened. I mean, we all saw the film, so we there's an inkling of what we think happened, right? Um, I think the worst thing you can do is trot him out for game one in Dallas, and all of a sudden, he's... Out for the rest of the wherever it's the series or the playoffs right so and i know eric Sinek is dying to get out there uh we know he's a gamer he's a competitor but you have to be a little bit protective i think of eric Sinek because if you're able to split in dallas worst case scenario right um or if you go down to nothing i'd rather have a full healthy or at least a healthier version of Eric neck for games three and four at home like you said when you have last change when he can be slotted in between boldy and Johansson and really make a big impact um So, I don't know. Like, we'll see. Um, But I do think there's a little bit of, shall we say, media gamesmanship that's happening there, too. Noah, you know, that happens. Um, But you talk about matchups. I'm curious as to your thoughts on the Reeves, Duhame, and Deward line and how important they are going to be in terms of not just what they bring, but how they can essentially try to slow down that either first or second line. Because, I mean, I know everybody wants reads to get goals. Everybody wants Duhane That's not going to be their role in the playoffs. There's going to be a shutdown line. And when we say shutdown, Noah, what does that actually mean?
0: yeah well i i think you know just limiting chances and keeping things to the perimeter there's no way you're going to keep pavelski rupe hints and jason robertson from not getting pucks on that and not getting opportunities it's just, That's just that they're just that good um but at the same time can you limit their chances in the middle of the ice in the danger areas can you keep plays to the outside and can you make plays one and dones where if it is a good opportunity you're corralling rebounds you're not allowing rebounds you're not allowing second chance opportunities um and that's going to be important you really think of a guy especially like ryan reeves who we'll see what the longevity for him in this series is going to be just with his foot speed. Not that, you know, for a big guy, he actually doesn't move terribly. I think people have this idea that he's slow. Um, You know, he's in his mid thirties, but at the same time, he still actually moves all right for a big guy. It's just, you know, can he contend with these guys who are very fleet of foot, you know, Mason Marchman, another one on that second line that, you know, brings uh, the offense for the Dallas side, but um, it'll be interesting. Uh, I, you look at Doer, of course, who you know obviously brings that defensive shutdown play, good speed, the opposite direction, uh, essentially mitigating chances, alleviating pressure. They're like you said, they're not out there to score goals. They're not out there to generate offense. If they do, it's a plus. It's a good spark plug if they can do that. But really, keeping the play outside of the defensive zone and trying to keep the play across center ice essentially that's the goal for that unit and if they can establish some zone time that'll obviously alleviate some pressure too but if this especially becomes a special teams battle they're going to be important too not only with Dewar on the PK side but just in general because you see those bottom six units that will get rolled out especially after certain power plays or penalty kills as well too it's going to be important that's what the playoffs are the star matchups the top lines always match up and cancel each other out The heroes are born in the middle six, the bottom six of the lineup. That's where this series is going to be won and lost. And really, can Minnesota exploit beyond the first pairing for Dallas? Um, You know, Ryan Suda's track record isn't the greatest in playoffs, and now he's on the other side of things, so you can't really complain about that either. Um, It's interesting. Let's just go this way here, Nick, Um, straight to it. Minnesota-Dallas, how many games? Who gets it done and why? Oh, boy. Oh, geez. I'm going to go bold.
1: Minnesota in six. I said the exact same thing. And and here's why I say that. And maybe we're telepathically aligned, which normally is never, ever. Or, like or we just
0: like. bought into Minnesota sports fandom for the seventh yeah, right. thousandth time. <laughs> no,
1: but I, I do think that there is something that's different with this team. Uh, last year we saw that this team could light things up, right? I still think they have the ability to do that. Um, And the other thing they learned this year is, okay, well, I was at the opener. um, When it was essentially a gunslinger race, uh, they didn't win that battle, right? But they still potted, I think, four or five goals and it lost to the Rangers. Um, So they tweaked some things. They became more defensively sound um, and they started to win those tighter hockey games and more so not having to do it by coming from behind, right? That was something that last year, it it seemed magical, but it was not sustainable. That's not a playoff winning formula. Whereas this year, I felt like they're just a little bit more in control, right? Where I feel like, you know, it's a bit more of a smarter, more a playoff brand of hockey. And the one thing that no matter what all these statistics know, what all of the Fords versus D versus goalie, you don't, that doesn't really matter over the course of a seven game series. What matters is what do the adjustments happened you know so if it does become a defensive battle minnesota can open things up and i do feel confident especially with the emergence of Boldy the last month or so that they can attack here on there i do think that they can match up offensively uh caprice being back helps if they get eric Sinek back at some point he's going to be an infusion of both sides of the ice uh he's a 200 foot player that Jeez, how irreplaceable has he become? My goodness. Um, and then again, Freddie Goudreau, right? Who just signed that extension. Um, I think he's invaluable too here. And with Minnesota's decor, I think they're more balanced. Um, yeah, they maybe don't have the star power, like with Miro Hayeskin uh, and down with Dallas, but I think they've got more depth and I think they're more sound there. Um, I think the bigger question is, outside of Jake Ottinger for Dallas, right? Is he going to get onslaughted? Is there going to be essentially with Calgary, they just packed the middle of the ice in front of him. They just took his vision away. And with any goaltender, I don't care who you are, ask Marty Broger and Sean Avery. I'm sure they'll tell you a, a pretty nice story about that. <laughs> um, you know, ask any goaltender and they'll tell you if there's chaos in front of me, it makes my job that much harder. And I think with the fourth line, and I think this is where the X factor comes in with Reeves, Dewar and Duhame, they have a knack to not only get on the forecheck, they can finish bodies but then they can get puck possession and they do have a knack to create some offense out of that. And with Reeves, who has been good at getting to the front of the net and creating chaos. He's a guy that essentially is built for this type of moment. Um, if he can do that and just be there and piss off the opponent,
0: I get the edge to Minnesota here. Um Yeah. I- yeah. It's interesting. Um, I, of course, I, I think it comes down to goaltending. It really does. Mm-hmm. And Minnesota, for the first time in quite a while, can say that they've got at least a goaltender, if not both, who can probably have a chance to carry them into the second round in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The only problem is, I would say Jake Ottinger, um, Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg, and Linus Olmark in Boston would probably be the three netminers that have the edge over you know, the Gussis and Flurry tandem. But other than that, Minnesota is in a good spot goaltending-wise. They've got to find a way to solve this first-round opponent. I think if they do that, they're going to put themselves in a really good spot here. Like you mentioned, I think we both had them uh, in six games. And, you know, Minnesota, you got to have one on the road. Um, You have to have one in the first two uh, for sure. And try to put yourself in a spot where you can win it on home ice in game number six. You know, if you're in game six fighting for your playoff life, it's not the worst thing in the world. But, you know, if you can go into that where you – carry a three to two lead into that game. Things just change monumentally in your favor for that opportunity. The XL is a dangerous place to play uh, mm-hmm. on the, if you're the road team in an environment like that. So Minnesota insects, I totally agree. Um, the winner of that matchup, of course, just a very quick uh, little glance as we finish out uh, the very abbreviated show that we have for you this week, uh, the avalanche in Seattle, which Seattle, a very good defensive team, their first playoff birth in franchise history in their second season. This one's interesting, too. Um, just very quickly, who do you think comes out of this one and how many games? I still think Colorado, but that loss
1: of Landeskog is going to hurt them a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be as one-sided as I think people thought it was going to be. Because with Landeskog in there, we know what he brings, right? Um, with that leadership, he's a 200-foot player. He's got the knack to find the back of the net and you know, be the stand-up guy. He's a guy that you want on your side of the bench. Um, but here's the thing with Colorado, right? I still think goaltending is a bit of a question mark for him. I really do. But on the flip side of it for Seattle, yeah, the franchise, first time they've been in the playoffs. Here's the thing, though. They have had players that have had playoff experience. Now, the thing is with Hackstall and the system that he runs is how can he slow down the guys like McKinnon or Rantanen, um, Natsushkin, right? Um, Kale McCarr. I think that's going to be the focus for them is how do you try to limit their chances because you can't eliminate them. There's just no way they're that good. But I still think Colorado over the course of a series over seven games, maybe four or five, um, I think they have the edge and I think they have the weapons to overcome a stout Seattle, Uh, defense, which I think the big thing is, yeah, Matty Beniers, he's emerged as a good offensive weapon. Oliver Bjorkstrand, we know Jordan Eberle has been there. He has experience. I just don't think they just have enough in the tank offensively to be able to respond to what Colorado can always bring um every time they hit the ice what are your thoughts yeah
0: i had colorado in 7 in this one i think this one you know this might be akin to the wild series back in 2014 where this one goes to overtime in game 7 you know i think that the defensive structure of seattle a lot of people sleep on that and the fact is you know without lanniskog especially can colorado overcome that by bringing their offensive punch to the table can they get secondary scoring guys like evan rodriguez for example that can bring that ability uh in the secondary that'll be i think the key for colorado i think. They still get over the hump because you look at Seattle. I mean, they've got guys like Jared McCann, obviously, but I don't think they have enough depth at either position where they're gonna overwhelm Colorado despite the goaltending matchup. But it's gonna kind of be tooth and nail here. I think Colorado does get Minnesota in the second round. That's an interesting one, Nick. Um yes. mm-hmm. I I'm gonna be honest with you because I filled out, of course, my bracket challenge. So for those of you who haven't gotten a chance, definitely do that before Monday's games. I actually have Minnesota in the conference final. Um and part of the reason being is Colorado has really struggled with Minnesota when it comes to that matchup for whatever reason in the past couple of years and in recently in playoff memory, too. Um, I, I had Minnesota in that matchup. Um, I'm wondering if you stick with me on that or if you feel like Colorado is just too good of a team here. And certainly there's no secret the Avs are a good team, but injuries and just you know the ability that Minnesota might actually hold the goaltending edge for the first time in a while, I think Minnesota might have a chance. I think they do. And more importantly, you know, here's the
1: thing. I think Minnesota, if they're able to get out of the first round, that itself is a huge morale boost to that squad. Um, You know that this team, the expectation is to get out of the first round. And if it's anything short of that, it's going to be considered a failure for the season. Um, But like you said, without Landeskog, that hurts. And again, the one thing we forget is over the course of a potentially seven-game season, you know, playoffs are physical. The first round is the most physical uh, round, I think, in the entire Sunday Cup uh, playoffs. So, you know, how does Colorado handle Seattle? And I think, if anything, Seattle will maybe give a footprint a little bit of how you can slow down those guys without Landis Gog in the lineup. But what's right. not forget, too, Colorado's got depth. Um, they're the, you know, the, uh, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Um, they have a lot of the same pieces. Uh, we forget guys like Bowen and Byram, Byron, right? You can all of a sudden fly up the wing and do a power move and tuck one in behind the goaltender. So they've got some talent that can arise on occasion. Um, they were just there. They know what it takes to get there. And at the end of the day, when is Cobb Hurts? But I, I think this squad is disciplined enough to where I think they can overcome it. But like you said, uh, Grubauer hasn't been the savior. Um, now, granted, Darcy Kemper last year wasn't also the saver, but I also feel like uh, Colorado played a much better defensive game last year than they have shown this year. Uh, but again, all bets are off. Uh, you got to take care of business in front of you first. Um, but if Minnesota does go up against Colorado, um, as long as you
0: get to game seven at the
1: Pepsi Center, it's been pretty good <laughs> for the Wild on those occasions. So
0: Yeah. um, They might need a guy that's playing, uh, you know, for Winnipeg in that regard though. Um, (laughs) With that being said though, on the other side of this bracket. So Nick, I'm I'm following exactly what I put for my NHL bracket. It's a bit of an off the wall bracket compared to what I usually do this year. And I'll admit that freely. Um, Minnesota in the conference final in my type of bracket. Oh, by the way, I guess for statistical purposes, who are you actually picking in this matchup between Colorado and Minnesota? Is there a team that you... I still
1: feel like Minnesota does have the has the edge here. And I, I say that not as a homer, but I do feel yeah. like as long as they stay healthy, I think that's the big thing. If Erickson that can stay sure. on the ice, um, they have an edge here. I, I do feel like, like you said, that it, over the regular season, they have... Uh, Just for whatever reason, they've been able to match Colorado. And the one thing that Colorado had as an advantage over a lot of teams last year was their speed, right? That was the one thing that drove a lot of their possession, both exiting the zone and then getting up the ice. And then that offensive, But man, they skate well, right? Uh, Minnesota found a way to contain that. They found a way to sort of slow them down a little bit. And I do feel like that there's a bit of a roadmap there. Uh, for them to get it done, I just feel like. And if it comes down to goaltending, as we discussed, Minnesota has the advantage here, um, especially with that one-two punch beyond Grubauer where they have Pavel Franços. Uh He's still a decent goaltender, but uh, you, you saw last year, like, if they don't have to go to him, they probably won't. So it's going to be on the shoulders of Grubauer, and uh, I still think Minnesota has that slight edge.
0: Yeah, I think Dallas is the scarier matchup out of the two rounds, to be totally honest with you. Minnesota, it's going to be tough to get out of that first one, but if they can get out of the first one, I think the roadmap is certainly a possibility i think minnesota on the bottom half of this bracket will get edmonton in the conference final so edmonton would take care of both the los angeles kings and then the vegas golden knights who will have an interesting series against winnipeg but i think that knights team is just too good and too stacked i think edmonton gets to the conference final here you know their ability to create offense their ability to bring that punch i mean they're one of the best teams in terms of production you know the stars got to obviously shine Um, and not the ones in Dallas uh, if you're talking about the Edmonton Oilers um, to handle that Vegas team but I think they can take care of LA somewhat handily actually to be honest with you in in five or six games I I don't know why I just have this feeling that Edmonton is going to kind of catch fire uh, in this one I think Edmonton then beats Vegas to meet Minnesota in the conference final and I actually have I kid you not, because this matchup also has favored the wild in recent. I do have the Minnesota Wild going to their first ever Stanley Cup final in franchise history. Not because oh. we do it on this show, but it something about them getting past that Dallas series, I think, will just be a spark plug of monumental proportions. And I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to be the date that gets them there.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's in if they're able to shut down McDavid Dreisidel in that matchup, I mean all bets are off, right? Um and with Edmonton, you talk about a goaltending duo that's is more suspect. It's, it's the Oilers, right? Um, so, yeah, uh, the thing is, McDavid and settle. they got this close last year. Again, Big X Factor. And Evander Kane, who actually had a very productive playoffs last year um, for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, but head, ha- right? Western Conference final. I like Minnesota's depth.
0: I do. Yeah. How do you feel about that bracket on your side of things? Is it still Minnesota Edmonton or who's coming out of your bracket here? Vegas and Winnipeg and Edmonton and LA in the first round.
1: Uh, Edmonton takes care of LA. LA is beat up a little bit. Uh, I think the injuries to Fiala and especially their goaltending. I've, I've not been a big fan of their goaltending. Oh,
0: Fiala's injured. That's
1: a shame. I know. What a shame, right? <laughs> um, so I think Edmonton does take care of LA. Um, Vegas will I think handle Winnipeg pretty pretty easily. Um but here's where it gets interesting, right? Uh Vegas and Edmonton. Here's the thing with Vegas. It looks like they're getting Mark Stone back. Yeah. And how about that, right? If they're able to How be, many times have we heard that though? <laughs> the yeah, um called cap, you know, circumvention at least to the casual <laughs> fans. So, um let's just say this, if he's in the lineup, Vegas takes this. Um okay. if, uh, Mark Stone, honestly to me is one of the more underrated two-way um playmakers in, in all of hockey. The thing is he's been made of essentially stained glass as the last couple of years, which is unfortunate. Um, thank goodness that Dustin Bluffen doesn't have a lineup on the offensive <laughs> line because he would be even more pieces. But yeah. at the end of it, um, if Mark Stone isn't back, Edmonton
0: Edmonton okay. takes this. Well, let's say for the sake of fun, um, let's say we're anticipating Mark Stone will be back. Uh, Vegas, yes. M- Vegas, Minnesota. How do you feel about that matchup? Not good okay not good so Vegas, vegas, vegas. I, it yep. seems like okay
1: yeah for whatever reason vegas this year despite the essentially just owning that matchup the wild i've had vegas is just with bruce cassidy they found a way to turn that matchup around um and for whatever reason uh i can't put my i can't put my finger on it but minnesota just hasn't had the same success this year as they had in years past was it like 12 and 1 before coming into this year they were just stupid good against Vegas.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. They were actually the last team to lose uh in mm-hmm. regulation against Vegas. So uh, mighty impressive besides of course Seattle, but um yeah, well in Nick's mind, Vegas in the Stanley Cup Final. Um, ugh. um and Minnesota okay. on my side of things. Um, interesting matchup over here. Let's start in the top half. We got two more bracket sections to go through, so we'll cruise through them quickly here. Uh, Boston, Florida. I think it's no secret but we both have in yep. that one. Yeah, Boston for sure. Um, and then on the actually other side,
1: four straight, just like you know, 2019 Tampa, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Interestingly it enough, <laughs> Interestingly enough, about the Lightning, Nick. I don't know what your thoughts are. I actually have the Toronto Maple police coming out of this matchup too. um tampa just does
1: not have the same magic in their bottom six that they've had in years past i think toronto uh, we said this for three or four years in a row that this is their last chance i think this might actually be their last chance because yeah. if you look at cap friendly they have like no first or second round picks the next like two or
0: three years in a row so um yeah yeah if, yeah, if they lose they have to sell the building so they put pretty their, much they, the car keys in the in the chips, in the poker table. I think you sell a team back to
1: Harold Ballard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. able, oh, Toronto fans, nightmares and a half. Uh, no, I think Toronto does have this series. Uh, Tampa's also not been playing great hockey coming into the playoffs, they kind of limped in. Uh, Toronto I thinks on a mission. I think some of the moves that they made with Ryan O'Reilly, uh, just to name a few of them, um, have bolstered their lineup as, about as much as they can. Yeah. Chips are all in, man. Uh, I think Toronto has come out of this first round for the first time in quite some time.
0: Yeah. They've got it. If they can solve Vasilevsky, they're going to be just fine. That's the one yep. issue that they obviously, um, you know, kind of important. The big cat yep. on the other side of things. Uh, and then another net miner, they'd have to solve Boston, Toronto. Um, I'm going off the wall here, Nick. Oh boy. I think, Tor- I think Toronto makes the conference final. I think of all the years oh, for Toronto to push to this level, would be the year that no one expects them to win that matchup against Boston. Um I think if they get through that first round against Tampa, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs in the conference final. I told you my board was weird. I know Um uh, you're like, you're like that Boston team is just, I too can't, bad. it's not even just that, <laughs>
1: but of all the teams that have ended Toronto season, when Toronto had the advantage, it's been the Bruins. It yeah. has been Boston. So for, you know, it's, it's one of those curious cases. It's like Minnesota Calgary way back, you know, when they first started playing, they could not win at the Saddle Dome um, for what, 10, 11, 12 years? They maybe won three games over the course of 12 years. It was just like, right. why? Right. It's like that same thing for me with Boston and Toronto in the playoffs. For whatever reason, uh, they just can't solve the Bruins. And I, the Bruins to me, how do you stop that train? That's my big thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Toronto, with all their firepower up front, uh, with Ryan O'Reilly there, again, defensive center. You're talking about a guy like John Taveras, right? So they've tried to address it. Boston's just a well-oiled machine right now. Um, they're so good. They're so lethal up and down the ice. Um, with Allmark also in Nets. Um, hard, it's hard for me to say the Maple Leafs have come out of this, but I can't say I disagree with the Team of Destiny argument that you have with the Maple Leafs, yeah. able to come out of it with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be hard to stop those Bruins. And the only team that could stop them, to me, Florida Panthers. <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious about that, because think uh, about it. Think about it this way. Nobody thought the Tampa Bay Lightning were going to lose a single playoff game coming to the 2019 playoffs and didn't win one game and against, of all teams, the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? Who never won a series in their existence until that point. Yeah, I just no. don't
0: feel good about the Panthers this year. I, I don't either.
1: Don't. But but that's my thing, right? If if there's pressure on any of those teams, it's always in the first round because it's almost like that first couple shifts, right, you get out there you just want to get involved. I think Boston's there, right? I I it's it's not that you know, they're bad or they're going to falter. It's more of, I, I think they just need to feel like, okay, yep. We're the clear favor or the, they we just set an NHL record for the best regular season in NHL history. They know what's theirs to lose. And sometimes if that creeps in your head a little bit, that's where the door opens up. So it's, it's not that, you know, the Florida Panthers would beat them. That it way it's just almost like Boston would just beat themselves more than anything.
0: Yeah. Well, Florida sucks. So (laughs) in my mind, Um, on the other side, though, uh, regardless of Boston or Toronto, I have the New Jersey Devils facing them. They are going to solve the New York Rangers and they are going to solve the Carolina Hurricanes who are going to best the aisles in that Mm -hmm. matchup. Um, So in my mind, it's in my mind, it's Toronto, New Jersey. Who do you have coming out of those couple of matchups on the bottom half of the bracket? Exact same. Okay. Um, So you've got Boston, New Jersey coming out of this one. Um, That's an interesting matchup that we really don't think we've seen a whole lot actually historically as of late. Um, Not as as of late. Yeah, partially because the Devils have really struggled. But uh, New Jersey, Boston, could the Devils finally solve the Bruins or are the Bruins just too good?
1: Here's the thing. You look at the top-end talent on both of those squads, they're pretty equal, right? They are actually match up pretty well. Vitek Vanacek has looked pretty good for New Jersey. Um, Here's the thing, though. Boston's depth. Boston's depth and that playoff experience is what may doom the New Jersey Devils. Um, And if there's any one of the stronger teams I think that are most vulnerable, it is the Devils just because they haven't been there in a long time. Um, Again, the playoffs are just a whole different beast. It'll be the first time for Jack Hughes and a few of the other pieces that are coming in. So if they get there, and I say if, because... On paper, they should get there. But to me, they're the most vulnerable higher seed in the Eastern Conference just because of their lack of experience. But if they get there, I still take the Bruins.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, where's Zach Farisi and Adam Henrique when you need them? Uh, so you've got... I need an equal $13 million, 13-year, <laughs> $98 million contracts with the television division squad. And then... well. Them. In my bracket here, I have Minnesota and New Jersey matching up for the Stanley Cup final, which I think would be intriguing to say the least. I have the Devils winning this one, um, 46 total goals in the final here. I think that Devils team just defensively can shut it down as well as Minnesota can, and they bring a good offensive punch. I know Minnesota looked all right in a couple matchups this year, Matt Boldy and overtime, but I just think the devils are just too good. I have the devils mm-hmm. capturing the Stanley cup. You have Vegas in Boston matching up. So I want to know final, who, that would be holy buckets who wins it, how many games and how many goals scored in the final series. Cause if we're emulating the NHL bracket challenge, you might as well do the whole, you might as well do it.
1: Um It is Boston. I think they're going to go all the way um, Vegas is going to put up a fight. It will be game seven at TD garden and total goals scored. I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to go 61. Ooh. Okay. Linus Allmark. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I know, but that's the thing, right? Is when you've got, we saw this with LA, if you know, back in 2012, right. Whereas with the sharks, uh, sometimes when you have two stout defensive teams, all of a sudden, it's like you need to create offense, right? All of a sudden, you kind of go off script a little bit. All of a sudden, the game opens up, and all of a sudden, it's like 6 5, 5 4, right? Yeah. Um, it what, could what, is the,
0: what is this? Pittsburgh, Philly in the early 2010s? I mean, yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> or it's more of what Colorado, Montreal, 11 1, or whatever it was, 1990. Um- <laughs> no, 2018. That yeah. was that was the game that, um, oh, geez, no, yeah, it was, yeah, it was 2017, and that was when what was it? Oh, it was, was it Markov? Yeah. Andre Markov, like hip checks, one of the Colorado players and they were up like 10 to one.
0: It's like, why? Like you (laughs) just offended a player and you, clearly don't need to like okay. uh, it, taking lessons from pk Subban years before i'm sure um oh. you know it's interesting though uh, i it, it's not often that we would say speaking of off the board that our brackets will look so different compared to a couple of years ago the nhl parity has really increased um and you know and i think in the central division i don't think it gets any easier but the minnesota wild will have an interesting task dallas i think will be one of their most difficult trying to come out of that first round it'll be interesting of course minnesota playing uh every other day basically they. We've got Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, of course, will be the first four games. And then, of course, you'd have Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday to finish it out if needed. So first two, of course, in Dallas, next two in Minnesota, and then you alternate Dallas, Minnesota, Dallas, should games five, six, and seven be needed. So Can't wait to cover it. It'll be exciting. The next time we have our show will be uh, four games at least deep. I think our next release, by the way, will likely be coming on Monday, but it might come on Sunday. We'll have to see. So uh, stay tuned for that one. But for sure, the first three to four games of the series will be complete the next time we join for a full regular episode of the Huskies Warming House podcast. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the net.
1: Scores. Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne alongside... Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game
0: winner. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6
1: seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.